0: Hey, what's up, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints and welcome to the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. This one is really awesome. It's with Winnie Lee Lacani. I might be pronouncing her name wrong. She's from Smoke Queen Barbecue. Winnie is a force of nature. She is amazing. I've been curious about talking to her for a long time and we finally got the opportunity. If you're watching on the YouTube side, she's seated between two of her SG Metalworks pits and in the background, you see Jared who works with her who also has worked at Lewis Barbecue. he's working the pits behind her, dealing with their brisket and their chashu and their Malaysian sausage. So that's a really interesting thing that's going on in the background. But Winnie's story is incredible. I'm not going to get too into it because it's better to hear from her. But she was born in Malaysia. She has Chinese and Malaysian heritage. She draws from that for her flavors for her Central Texas style barbecue. She talks about the business that she had at 20 years old that put her through UCLA. And then she talks about the one, two, three, four, five businesses that she had prior to the pandemic and how the pandemic affected those businesses. And that's how she got into the barbecue business and the barbecue world. And those stories are just phenomenal. She's the kind of person that can't sit still and is always trying to work hard and always trying to work hard for her employees. And I think by the end of this, you're gonna get a really good sense of who she is You're going to want to visit her. She's at Smorgasborg in Los Angeles every Sunday. They're open from 10 to four, but she sells out. And we do talk about a brick and mortar in Garden Grove, which just sounds like a killer idea and a really cool concept. And at the very beginning, we kind of jump in. We're we're talking about Michelle and Andrew from Moosecraft Barbecue, because as I got closer to doing this interview, I had mentioned to a number of people that I was going to talk to Winnie and they all were super excited and especially Michelle and Andrew. And so that's where we're jumping in in the beginning of the interview. But her food sounds amazing her drive is unquestionably amazing. And also she's going to be on the Food Network starting Monday, May 9th in the third season of Barbecue Brawl. So you can check her out every Monday or I guess on Discovery Plus too. But I can't thank Winnie enough for taking the time to share her story in detail and to share a good part of herself in this interview. If you're enjoying these, please subscribe. That way you don't miss out. I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. But the end stay safe, and visit your local barbecue joint.
1: I told a number of people that I was going to be talking to you, and I told, I was on a group text with Michelle and Andrew, and I told Mm -hmm. Michelle, and she was so happy, and she said, you're so great, and she loves you, and so I thought that was, it was just nice. Like, a number of people said they are so happy that I was talking to you.
2: She's one of the sweetest people I know. Mm -hmm. Actually, both her and Andrew, um, my very first, the first words that came out of Andrew's mouth when I met him was, you want me to back up your trailer because <laughs> well, it was for, it was for barbecue day and you know I mean I'm an Asian driver right uh my reputation kind of precedes me but I'm a pretty great driver It's just tr- you know dragging a trailer behind a huge ass truck and trying to back it up and yeah. like getting it in your head that when you turn this way the trailer's going to go that way and so I was I'll say that trying, exact same thing. That's
1: what how I, yeah, I feel. <laughs> I was,
2: I was like backing up like so many times. Like that one episode in um, Austin Powers where he's like in a little oh, like golf a little. cart and he's he's like doing a <laughs> twenty point turn. So Andrew popped out of his truck and he's like, "Do you want me to back this up for you?" I'm like, "Yes, please go get this, in that get in the truck and do this for me." <laughs>
1: did he do it in one try? <laughs> yeah of course he's a pro oh, yeah he's so good yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no there's they're like the some of the best people I know that I
3: yeah
1: they're dear to their friends and I just I'm so happy for them and it was just nice to she said like that like you've had such a, a storied career in the industry and now you're doing barbecue mm-hmm. it's just such a cool like it's a it's great and so I, I like and I also love talking to people that are hard workers but a lot of people in the barbecue world are some of the You have
2: people. to be, you have yeah. to work hard if you want to be in barbecue, because there ain't no easy way to do barbecue. There's you. no shortcut.
1: So Winnie, so it's so nice to meet you. And this is so great. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time. I, I can't wait to share your story. I, I, are you, are you from
2: Garden Grove That's in Orange County? Okay. Yes, off the 22, the 5, and the fifty seven. And um, I'm originally from Malaysia. I was born, oh, so born, born in, in Malaysia. Malaysia. Okay. Yes, I'm third generation. So my grandparents were actually, sorry, my great grandparents were Chinese immigrants uh, who immigrated to Malaysia. So my okay. grandparents were born in Malaysia. But I'm full Chinese. Like we, we still, you know, we still kept our heritage, our culture and our language. So I speak a little bit of Mandarin and Cantonese. I came to this country when I was six. So I'm kind of like uh abc american-born chinese but i wasn't born here so do you
1: Um, recall any of your time in malaysia
2: yes uh every year my parents my parents were very traditional while growing up and we would never speak english at home we would only be allowed to speak chinese and they would make a point to take us back every summer so that Uh. we don't lose our our heritage and our culture and plus like our grandparents were there So every year, every summer, we would spend at least a month in Malaysia to visit our family. So we are very close-knit, and we have, my brother and I, we have really, uh, like, a close tie to our relatives back in Malaysia because of this, and also, like, the food and the culture. And... I can even speak in a Malaysian slang, you know. Well, that's cool. That's a,
1: <laughs> dude, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal.
2: But do you yeah. can
1: you describe Malaysia for people? Because I think most people wouldn't. And are most are? Is there a large population of Chinese in yes. Malaysia? Okay.
2: So Malaysia is originally like inhibited by the indigenous people. They're they're known as the Malays. Um, yeah. uh, they're predominantly Muslim in um, religion, and because of the location of the country and how it's kind of, it's very close to Singapore. There's a lot of natural resources. So a lot of immigrants like back in the like 1930s or whatever, I'm not very, you
1: know, accurate on (laughs) this history, but,
2: but it's not a history lesson, but, you know, a lot of immigrants from China and India went to Malaysia. And so because of that right now, a third of the population is made of Chinese people, Hmm. Um, a third Indians and a third indigenous Malays and then from there like after you know multiple generations have been living harmoniously together a lot of them do interracial marriages Um, there's also like a Chinese Chinese Malay mix we call Nonya, you know um, that's a a different category in terms of uh, race or ethnicity so you know I'm full blood Chinese but you know, because the government has done a really great job in like taking care of the people and getting like embracing our cultures. Like, for example, Ramadan just passed. Um, they, The government, the people really embrace Ramadan. They re- embrace um, the Festival of Lights or, or Holi, which is Indian. You know, Ramadan is Muslim. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. Chinese New Year, like a lot of places uh, celebrate a lot of businesses celebrate Chinese New Year, which is Chinese slash Buddhist. So um, because of that- Eclectic
1: country, gosh.
2: Yes, very eclectic. So, you know, all three races have been living really harmoniously for, I don't know, like 60, 70 years or something like that. And so our food has actually been very fused. Like I feel like Malaysian food is like the ultimate fusion food because you put soy sauce in your curry, in your Indian curry, you know? And then you put lemongrass in there. Lemongrass is very Malay, not very Indian, you know? Mm. So in a way, like a lot of that is just like harmoniously mixed in together, all these ingredients, and then that's how you get Malaysian food. So the best way I would describe Malaysian food is Thai food on steroids.
1: Okay, wow, So (laughs) That actually, I I got what you meant.
2: (laughs) It's not as sour and it's not, not as spicy as Thai, but then we have more fragrant notes, a lot of aromatics, a lot of uh, curry powder, like uh, spices that you would find in curry, like cardamom, cinnamon, um, cumin, coriander, turmeric, chili mm. powder. So if you like Thai food, you would love Malaysian food.
1: It's interesting because I haven't, like, as, as you are speaking, I was thinking, I've never been to a Malaysian restaurant I don't even know yes. if I've even seen one. L.A., you would think there would be. Maybe in Garden Grove there is, but I, just, I have never seen one.
2: There aren't that many out here because there aren't that many Malaysians out here. I think there's far more in, yeah, in New York City, there's a lot. In London, there's a lot. Okay.
3: Um,
2: also because Malaysia used to be a colony, oh, it used to be colonized by the uh, British Empire. So the British are very familiar with Malaysian cuisine. So, and and that's another thing why I really wanted to, like, throw my heritage into barbecue because I I realized realized that barbecue is a technique and not a cuisine. So, you know, you could take it in any direction you want and you can make it your own. And so that's what I'm doing.
1: And it's the perfect, this is like you came upon like the perfect time to do this because people are accepting that and people are interested and curious and people are bringing their heritage and background to barbecue whereas 10 years ago that was wasn't really happening maybe a little bit of Mexican influence in Texas but it wasn't happening that much so the timing is is pretty I guess
2: I mean it's all accidental but you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it's you know the universe has a plan
1: definitely so So, but did was your plan to go into food growing up was that something that you what was your what was Uh, your course and you grew up in Garden Grove what was that
2: no, I, I grew up uh, in various cities in Orange County. I moved a lot. Um, I actually went to UCLA for biz econ. Uh-huh. I came out, I graduated, worked for Target Corp for a couple months, decided that <laughs> I, months. it was not yeah, it was not fulfilling. And I was the worst employee ever. Like, and it's so funny because I have employees now and I tell them like, don't give me this excuse because you know, like, uh, don't bullshit the bullshitter, because I used to make up all these excuses. Because you know yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I wrote the book on it, right? Um, so, you know, I quit my job, and I decided I wanted to do cakes and pastries, so I went to pastry school. Oh. I felt like the corporate world was not fulfilling, and honestly, like 20 years ago, there's no room in the corporate world for an Asian woman. Um, you know, it's just, there's no room, there's no way to climb up the ladder, um there's, there's a just,
1: ceiling and it was yeah i can see that
2: there's yeah. a glass ceiling for women and then there's a lower glass ceiling for asian women
3: wow yeah, yeah.
2: so you know it, it's just it wasn't fulfilling to me and my dad said something that i will always remember he says do you want to be a small fish in a big big pond or do you want to be a big fish in a small pond
3: Very so nice.
2: i decided you know i'm just i'm i didn't know if there's any money in pastries but i went to pastry school anyways because I wanted to learn. So while I was in college, like my, my parents have always, my parents have, they're immigrants. So they started, you know, um, opening small businesses here and there. And so I was able to open my very first business when I was 20 years old um, at the Holiday Inn in La Mirada. It's like a little gift shop.
3: Really? It's like
2: a 500 square foot gift shop. We made enough to pay for my tuition, pay for my rent at UCLA. Uh, Well, my friends were drinking on Thursday nights, I was placing orders for my store. And then Fridays, I would Uh. drive back to Orange County, go to Costco, pick up my cigarettes, pick up my candy and all, you know, the hodgepodge of stuff that you find in a gift shop. And, you know, and then Sunday, I would, you know, oh, also I would stop by in uh, downtown LA and get all the the random stuff the tchotchkes. Yeah, all
1: that stuff you can get yeah, all okay. the
2: souvenirs and all those random things so at 20 I was like already doing that wow, and
1: you're, that's impressive for... that is so impressive yeah. that's amazing I
2: come from a family of entrepreneurs and so I, I've been working since I was like five years old my parents used to pay me 50 cents an hour and I would like work the register at their like convenience store so it's nothing new to me yeah, that's, that's and it's life. just like yeah. It's just part of life, you know, and um, it's a great stepping stone because I graduated debt free, you know, and then I still had an income while I was working for Target. And then also I had a taste of entrepreneurship and I thought, forget this. I, I can't like, I, I don't fit in this corporate world. I don't fit in this mold. And I really loved making cakes. So I went to pastry school while I still had my business. And so after a year, I had another opportunity to open another business. And that was at the Hilton Anaheim next to the convention center. And I got so busy that I didn't, I just stopped going to school. I realized, you know, I was getting bored making uh, muffins and cookies. And I wanted to make like, like uh, masterpieces, like sugar flowers and big wedding cakes and things like that. And so it, it was a community college and it, they weren't going to teach me that. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to, I'll just drop out and I'll focus on my business. And so from there, that's when I actually opened my restaurants. I have currently, I have like a, I have a souvenir store that predominantly sells uh, we predominantly carry like Disney and licensed products, you know, whenever you go to Disney.
1: Right now now you have this? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I didn't know. I didn't to, know yeah. okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, this so, is, I didn't know if because you said now, and I didn't mean like you're now in the story or now in life. Okay. Oh wow. okay. no, okay. now
2: now at this moment. Uh, I also own a nail salon at the hotel and I own three restaurants at the hotel food court as well. So okay. I've been building up, you know, my my businesses from the age of twenty. And so I think like a lot of people, huh. they see from the outside in how like I've grown this business so fast because it hasn't even been two years yet. Like I somehow got on to Food Network. I somehow got on into Smorgasburg. I somehow like figured out how to scale it, right?
3: Yeah, it's are. not
2: like, no. And I want to say that in business, you have winners and you have losers, like businesses that are winners and losers. I've had my fair share where I lost thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in my businesses. Um, and then, then I have businesses that make money that yeah. are profitable. And so like when you see smoke Queen, it's the culmination of this 21 years of entrepreneurship that I've worked. And I think that's what I, I don't want people to think like, Oh, you know, like, she makes it look so easy, or I don't want them to feel jealous. I want them to understand that it is something that I've basically, I've applied my 21 years of experience into something like this. You've and any anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. No, but anybody can do it, you know? Yeah, that's so a great message right too. Now,
1: that's a fantastic message. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I look young, right? People think I'm like, Maybe in my twenties, I hope. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Still want to look young. I have some wrinkles, but you know, I have so many years of um, operation and entrepreneurship behind me that I think, like it, it just this is the proof, you know, the the business. But how did you? How
1: did you go? How did from having all these businesses? What? was the spark so to speak that made so you...
2: <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very interesting story and since we have time on this podcast i'll yeah, like go in more detail time, yeah. so like i want to say like 12 years ago my husband and i we found that the egg barbecue the it's a vision grill ceramic smoker and we knew that it was like we knew that it was like $1,000 or whatever, and it was on sale, right? And so we thought, oh, this is a great deal. I've seen people smoke on it. Let's get it. So we got it, and we didn't understand how charcoal worked. You know, we lit it up. We didn't wait for the charcoal to burn out, you know, and we started grilling a steak, like really expensive steak on there. We thought, like, it would turn out great, and it turned out terrible. Like, every single bite, you can, you can smell that, that, um chemical taste. Chemical, I was gonna
1: say like a chemical like because t- it's that residue that's yeah. Part, yeah yeah
2: exactly so we didn't know what the hell we were doing and we're I've like done that
1: same thing a long, long time ago. <laughs>
2: so, so that smoker was put away for a really long time because you know it's just it just sat in the backyard just as display and the pandemic hit and so I have those restaurants, those three restaurants and with, along with my nail salon and my other souvenir business, I have about 50 employees. I was, um, in charge of. And, uh, it was like March 18th or 17th when that stay at home order, yeah. um, uh, came out, we, we were actually preparing for a really huge convention because we're right next to the convention center and that's our bread, like it's feast or famine there. And, When it's busy, that's when we make money. And that's how we cover our losses on the slow days. So we had about like $15,000 worth of food in our walk-in because it was going to be the natural products convention, which is one of the largest ones. They usually expect like 100,000 people in the city. And uh, I called all my employees to come, wrote them their last check basically. And I said, you know, we, I don't know what's going to happen. I think they're just trying to wait, like suffocate this, virus by just staying at home for two weeks yeah. but honestly i knew that that was not the case like it's not it's not going to be two weeks it's going to yeah, be can way better than gone. that
1: I, same with me yeah, I, I felt
2: it i felt it yeah and i basically uh i told them like you know we have water and that's at ta- that time people were fighting for water uh toilet paper and what else you know yeah. a lot of things i think it was like all
1: was, like, like, like the like the basic stuff yeah
2: Yes, yes. So we gave away all the food in our walk-ins. Um, like there was like $15,000 worth of food.
3: Uh.
2: Um, they were just packing it, taking it home. They were taking cases of water home. And I, I told them like, you know, let's see like what happens in two weeks. And I, I, know, I knew that it, we wouldn't come back in two weeks. And I helped a couple of them apply for unemployment, those who needed help doing so like not, some of my employees like they don't know how to use a computer yeah. you know so yeah it was a very very hard day it was a very scary day and um just you know when I was driving home I just started I broke down and cried like uncontrollably because
3: the weight it of was everything.
2: yes because I my job as an employer is to make sure that my employees are 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 working and they're fed you know I'm not the type of person that goes in there and like hey you go mop this go clean the bathroom go do this like my my job is not to order people around my job is to create a demand for the business so that my employees are continually employed right yeah like they were calling me after a couple of weeks when are we opening again and you know at this time the hotel shut down the entire hotel the hotel has 1600 rooms Okay, it's the largest hotel in Southern California. A quick aside, they, I,
1: I, in the past life, when my dad was alive, we sold furniture to hotels. And yeah. we, we we did like a wing of that hotel because it was so massive, it's such a huge it's hotel.
2: Massive, yeah. yes, it's massive. And they had to shut down because occupancy rates were like 90 something percent all the way to 3%, like- right. Insane. in In a span of two, three days, you know? and um the hotel couldn't sustain itself with all the labor costs so they shut down and i couldn't get in there i couldn't like i couldn't pivot and i couldn't like try to open a grubhub account and do like app ordering like a lot of restaurants are doing you know so we had like i was just stuck at home doing nothing and then that summer you know how there's a shortage of um meat Uh um
1: It's, like, so it's everyone like one of, one of the
2: meat, meat plantations somewhere was like, you know, closed down because they had a, they had an outbreak of oh, COVID kept, yeah, or whatever. A bunch
1: of different, out- yeah. I think two or three of them had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot exactly.
2: So I would be the one that would go on the weekly run to the grocery store. And I went to Costco that day. And, you know, it was when you would like wear gloves and you have a mask and, and a shield and all this stuff, like a half-man so suit, scary. right? <laughs> yeah, because we didn't know what was going on yeah. and the they limited one piece of meat per customer and so of course I go find the biggest piece of meat because it's for my family for a whole week right and I see the brisket and I thought you know what maybe it's time for me to try to smoke a brisket you know because oh, I've done it before so <laughs> yeah I've done it before like a couple times and it sucked you know and also like I, ha- I have two kids I'm a working mom. I have businesses to run. I really don't have time to babysit a smoker, right? So I thought, you know, now I'm home. Like, let's let me try to smoke this brisket. It came out really shitty because I didn't know that I I didn't know the difference between direct heat and indirect heat. I needed a lava stone, which I didn't have. So I went out to Home Depot, got a lava stone, went out, tried to hunt down for another piece of brisket, and like I just kept on trying and trying, like every week, you know. And then finally, like my husband and my friends said, why don't you start selling online? Because I see a lot of people like meeting like random uh, strangers in the parking lot exchanging food for money, you know? So I started uh, the Instagram account. My husband gave me the name because I I didn't know what to name this business. And he said, you know, you're the smoke queen. Because every night I'm like, I'm like in bed, we're watching TV. And I'm like, hold on, I got to go downstairs and check the smoker. And he's like, you're always smoking, you know? And um, yeah, so that's how-
1: Was it that dome pit or what? what?
2: Yeah, the ceramic. It's like a Komodo, but it's from Vision Grills. It's this big, huge ceramic. It's great because- Like I would put this uh, brisket on like around 12 or so. It got to a point where I knew how much charcoal to put in. Okay, So there are times where I didn't put enough charcoal and I'd wake up and it's like, it's not done. It's not ready to wrap because the fire went out like five years, uh, five hours ago. So um, I got to a point where I I got that down and um, I would put it in at 12. I wake up at seven, wrap it and then finish it off so were then, you
1: watching yeah. youtube stuff or anything or reading anything yeah or?
2: it was mostly youtube mostly harry sue's videos i was gonna say um, harry because i've seen
1: of, you with harry and I, yeah, yeah he seems like someone that could help people like like you they needed yes. help with the, yeah a different yeah and
2: uh, mad scientist also has a really great video and great mm-hmm. info so but everything i learn right now for this business is not through youtube it's all through trial and error and also through jared who he worked for uh, Lewis for about two years.
1: Oh, for Lewis Barbecue so, in, in Charleston?
2: Yeah. Okay. So he learned from John Lewis. Yeah, that's how I got this business started. The first weekend I sold one whole brisket and I was super excited because like these random strangers are paying me like upfront, sending me money through Venmo and with the promise that I'll meet them later on in the week. And I could just be like, you know, yeah. sorry, no brisket. I get to keep your money, <laughs> right? It, to me, it like, It was really surprising that people would just do that, you know, that they would just like Venmo you right away to place the pre-order. Do you think it was because of the
1: pandemic or do you think it was because people are trusting in nature? I wonder what, what do you think? I wonder why.
2: I think it's the pandemic. Um, There was a food group on um, Facebook and that's what they did. Like they would post all these foods and then to order, everybody demanded uh, money up front. And so I think it it kind of like- yeah, they were con- customers were conditioned to just pay up front. So second weekend, I sold two briskets, and I realized I hit my max really quick because I can only fit two briskets in that tiny smoker. It's like an eighteen inch or whatever. So the next day, like the next week, I went to Costco and they had two Tragers. Uh, they had a bunch of Tragers. They had a road show, right? So I bought two Tragers because I felt like, like I needed to scale. Like I can't sell more if I can't smoke more. So. I kind of built my barbecue business with two Traegers in a way for the longest time until finally Shane could get me this 500. So
1: how long were you doing this out of your house then?
2: I think from August through March, I was doing it with just my Traegers. I figured out how to make six whole briskets in one night. (laughs) (laughs) Then March, Drogon came the 500. And then immediately the health department came, knocked on my door. And the city came and they slapped me with a citation of uh, running a commercial business in a residential zone, and also not running a restaurant in a non-approved uh, food facility. Yeah,
3: okay, okay.
2: I looked into, you know, at that time there there's also cottage licenses where you can run like a restaurant in your house. Oh, I didn't. But know that. it, but you can't, you it. Cannot involve high risk items like meat. It's basically like pastries, baked goods. Yeah. But like, and also here's another thing like, I'm surf safe, right? I've been in the food industry for 12 years now. I know how to handle food. I got a commercial fridge in my garage. Like, I knew how to make sure that my food was safe to consume. All the danger
1: danger zone stuff and all that. Yes,
2: exactly. But see, like, these strangers and what's so wonderful about this community is like, they, they trust that you know you're not going to mishandle their food like yeah. I would never order some random like something from some random person online unless I knew how like if they knew how to handle their food right that, but that's just me and I think that just shows like to me like the pandemic brought up a lot of good in people mm-hmm. and I really saw that and I think we are so queen is proof of that you know a community of um helping your neighbor Minus my neighbor who reported me.
3: <laughs>
1: which, which, but. like, if, if like, if Bert's watching this, or Adrian Michelle, or any of them here, all of them have had people call on them. Like, it's just, oh
2: yeah, it's but just honest, it's so sad. I know, but you know, and that's that time. Like, I actually called the. Who did I talk to? Either the health department or the after I got cited, right? I called them, and I basically said like. What do you expect me to do? Like I am, I am so like, I'm so the COVID shortchanged me by so much, like it's been months, months, months since I actually had some sort of income. And now I'm trying to rebuild my life. We have so much in lost revenue, hundreds, millions of dollars in lost revenue, yeah. right? So many un- em- employees unemployed. And I'm just trying to build my, pick up the pieces. And I was able to employ like three employees while I was doing this from my house. Like, like it's so easy for you to sit on your desk with your 10 year job and just go around shutting people down, you know? And I think in a way, like I was really angry, but in retrospect, I am very grateful for that happening because that forced me to look at other avenues and how to grow my business because I think at that point I knew like I was maxing out six briskets every time I smoked and I was at a turning point where I thought you know um, what do I do how do I grow from here how do I bring this into a brick and mortar how do I transition Mm -hmm. and taking that step to transition is really scary taking the step to get licensed here at this commissary to pay additional rent having additional overhead is a is a is a liability right it's Mm -hmm. it's extra liability that I'm not comfortable with because I've been doing this at home yeah. and it's like anytime I can quit. Now I have a contract. I have a lease. I am held accountable. Yeah. Right. And so that happening at that time was something really terrible and such a huge hurdle for me, but in retrospect, now I see that that was a blessing in disguise. It forced me to, it gave me the, the guts to, take the leap i guess yeah, sometimes you need faith. that
1: yeah you need yes, to have that because yes. a lot of times you could if that never happened you would maybe still be cooking out of your house like if that who knows it's
3: uh, maybe I, it that would the, be,
2: like i would be complacent or comfortable you mm-hmm. know and then it's like now i have more overhead i have more staff i have more liability and i need to figure out how to be and that's why i'm so aggressive in that sense of being a business owner right like i'm not i, I don't know I'm, Jared would say, "I'm yeah, Jared, aggressive, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm aggressive in that I need to make that money, right? Because I have more overhead, I have more liability, and I think that really did help me to grow the business. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, but, it, it,
1: makes, uh, it makes it makes all the sense. No, for sure. But it's now. So when you got this, pit, how did you find? Did you find SG uh, Metalwork? Is it is SG Metalwork? Yeah. Right? How did you yes, find? Did SG- you find them through? Uh, Harry or how did you how did you find them? No,
2: I randomly found him on like Facebook Marketplace when he was putting ads out and I was just looking for a smoker because I was thinking like six smoke six briskets is not enough. You yeah. know, I need something bigger. I need something bigger. And then I was looking looking for used ones, you know, trying to minimize my cost and then I found him and I started asking it's so funny because me and him we still talk about like the conversations we used to have and I would ask him like hey like can I test drive like the smoker because I want to make sure like I'm committed to this like wood burning because I I've been complacent with two tragers, right yeah. and so and he's like no man this is custom made there's no there's no like uh, there's no like test driving I was like this is the cost of a car why can't I test drive it you know (laughs) and he goes he sent me a picture of an Oklahoma Joe and he's like go to go to Home Depot and buy yourself this and And I would like just randomly message him so many questions about how do I do this how do I do that and he's just like I was probably his most annoying customer at that time and it's just kind of funny where's
1: Where's this shop located again
2: it's in Rialto. Rialto um, okay, it's on yeah. the way to Vegas. Yeah. Off the 15, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or the 10. I don't know. Somewhere like really far out. Yeah. Um, but it's
1: in California.
3: <laughs> it's a, yes. It's and that's a, another
2: thing. Like I decided to give him my money and not somebody else because he told me about his story, how he he's a welder of 13, 14 years and February, 2020, he quit his job to open his own shop. So he used to make like railings and gates and anything metal yeah, yeah and so he started making smokers and then the pandemic hit
1: yeah like a so, month before he he's a That's, month before exactly this is like so many it's weird during these interviews recently I've, ta- I've found so many people that like either they're doing their best business right before the pandemic or they yeah. open their business a week or yeah. two before it's uh, yeah yeah oh that's crazy so when you it's, got that what do you think when you when it arrived like did he deliver that trailer he, to yeah. <laughs> Were you? he delivered out?
2: that to my house and actually harry sue has a video of that because he harry lives about 15 minutes from me and i invited him over to come okay. and do an unboxing video when the smoker came oh cool i'll I put a link was, to that
1: i didn't i haven't seen that. i'll watch it tonight okay
2: yeah so when I, the smoker came i thought like what the fuck did i get myself into <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, my restaurants, we were selling pizzas, tacos, sandwiches, and it, they're fast food, fast casual, yeah. high margin, low labor, low food cost, you know, pizza margin. It's great. It's great. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck am I doing with this barbecue business that doesn't uh. have much margin in? And, um, you know, like, it's like you were right. I was riding a horse and now I'm riding a donkey. you know (laughs)
1: yeah definitely definitely did you so but you but you were used so then do you think it was that pit that made the neighbor call yes yeah that's I think usually it's like when when they see something like that that's what kind of freaks them out Mm -hmm.
2: and I wasn't even using it that much I was selling once a week and then actually for a month I was almost a month I was in Texas filming so I wasn't even selling for that long and then they reported me what they were you filming?
1: That. Why do I not know this? Why were you in oh, Texas filming? Was that for the. Oh, for the. I thought that. Okay, okay.
2: It's actually B Cave, B Cave. Oh, it's in B Texas, cave. Okay. which is mm-hmm. really close to Austin. Um, and it's actually, I, I probably missed her because um, they shot season two and three back to back. Because of COVID, you know, everybody had to get tested and clear COVID protocol and, and so forth. We were gotcha. in a COVID pre bubble. yeah i can't tell you anything that happened on the show but i can tell you to tell your viewers to watch the
3: show
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's coming up and i'll i'll it'll it'll be like this will be a perfect like way to promote the show additionally like to watch yeah this will be good so then okay so when did you get the commercial kitchen was that like that was
2: right after the that was right after the health department came and they needed to have a, a subsequent inspection to make sure my smoker was gone. And okay. so uh, oh. I want to say June. I can't remember. Last summer. Last, last spring okay, or last summer. summer. Okay. I've been here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of forced me to, and they wanted to see, they wanted my license number um, for my legal home for this smoker. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so I had to go find a commissar or just completely shut down.
1: With this, were you cooking for people to come and pick up at the, at the commissary or, or, no. how, or where were you, where were you selling? Were you shipping? Cause I know you we were. Outside, yeah.
2: yeah. So we were actually, we never let people come to my house to pick up. I don't want people to know where I live because there's crazy people out that's there. Smart. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> so what we would do Good. is we would text nice the customers tip. and we would tell them like, we're meeting here in this parking lot on this intersection by bonds or target or whatever. And I'm in this car and you know, my, you know, this is my phone and or whoever's delivering, and I'll give them the information of whoever's delivering, and okay. they will meet us with a one hour time window and so that's how I was getting the food to my customers at that time. We still do that for our pre-orders, but right now, I've been just so busy and honestly my my restaurant business has just reopened, and so a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people actually still message me asking me when we're gonna do our pre-orders again, and honestly, like, I just don't have the people. I don't have the bandwidth on Saturdays because okay. I need I need that one day off with my family, and uh, Sundays I'm at Smorg, at okay. Smorgasburg. So uh, we will start pre-orders again once I build a bit a uh, stronger team. But that that all will come in time. It's going
1: to take some time, yeah. yeah. And I, I noticed yeah. on your website, yeah. I think it even says about pre-orders on your website.
2: So yeah, I
3: put a link to that. We use,
2: I mean, pre pre-orders are great because you get money right away and like you're not making more than what you need there's no waste but then at smorgasburg i've gotten down to where i i know how much i'm going to sell every week mm-hmm. more or less so we know how how much to prep okay. we usually just sell out yeah
1: yeah well then did you do the barbecue day and is that what got you because of that did they come to you and say hey you should yes
2: yeah, so door. we i applied once i heard that smorgasburg was back again because honestly the pop-up life is a huge hustle like just finding a place to pop up. Some breweries are great, some are not as great. Some help you promote, some really don't. They yeah. just want you to bring in customers for them. And it's it's really hard for barbecue because we have we put a lot down on the line. You know, we invest in food and labor for a place, a location that we are really not sure how the turnout will be. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like, for example, like if you're selling tacos. You can prep, but then, like, you cook as you go, right? And then, if you have leftovers, that leftover that's not cooked, you can save it for another day. Mm-hmm. Whereas barbecue, it's really hard.
1: Yeah. No, you I've know, been to I, a lot of pop ups where mm-hmm. I could tell that they were upset because they weren't going to sell out. And that was, you know, it's frustrating
2: it sucks because the margin, if you do sell out, your margins are already very slim. Exactly. Okay? And then, if you don't sell out, it's like you, it, it's like taking one step. Um, up and then taking three steps back Yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. so that's why i thought you know maybe smorgasburg would be great because it's a permanent location people know that we're always going to be there you mm-hmm. can count on us and then we can count on them to show up you know as opposed to like my followers trying to chase me down at some brewery every week so they invited us to do barbecue day and so we did and then you know um the manager he told us it's not easy to do smorgasbord and he's right. It's not it, There are days where like I wake up and like at 5am I'm like, I really want to, I look at my kids, they're sleeping. I really want to sleep in, <laughs> but I can't, you know, people expect me to be there. My staff depends on me. So I get up and go.
1: Cause I forget smorgasbord opens at 10.
2: Ten, yeah, but we go in at five to start. Parking. Yeah, yeah,
1: no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I figured it out, but uh, yeah, uh-huh. but I, I so it's ten till I forget. I was at ten till to three? four. Four to okay. four.
2: Okay, yeah. So we actually hit the road around eight o'clock because it takes almost. Sometimes it takes an hour to get to LA because of traffic or an accident. It takes like thirty minutes, forty minutes to set up. I like to have things in order. I like to have a buffer so that we're not like stressed out so you know about 8 eight
1: fifteen, we hit the road yeah and and if people haven't i'll put a map to where Smorg is if they if they for some that's smorgasburg la and it's the companion to the brooklyn i guess one is that wasn't the one in brooklyn yes or, yes yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. They, same company and-
1: so, yeah, yeah, and I guess they—the Brooklyn one—I think opened a little earlier than the LA one. I think reopened. Oh,
2: okay. I thought so. Okay.
1: But it, but it's so for people that know, it's like everyone kind of lines up, and then they let the masses in at like ten, and then it's a kind of a free for all, and people line up and line up for your food. Yeah. We—I want to talk yeah. about. I want to. I could try to talk two more hours with you, but I want to make sure we cover your menu because it's unique, and then oh, also okay. I want to talk about your potential brick and mortar, right? Don't you have a yeah. So I want to talk I want to make sure we cover your menu at Smorg. Is your menu similar to what you've been selling people or is it this is a is it a completely different menu at Smorg or is it was it
2: No, I mean, you know, everything is trial and error and sometimes I would have specialists just to see how it's received, but for the that. most part, we have our brisket, you know, it's kind it's Texas style inspired, but we don't use a Dalmatian rub. I do my own blend with paprika and cumin and garlic and just, you know, just not just, not just salt and pepper, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I, ever since I started this business, I always asked myself like, what, why would my customers buy from me and not with an established business that already has a good reputation. And I think it's uh, the, the quality of the meat I use and also the flavor profile because I wanted it to be, Something that appeals to me and actually expresses who I am as a person. And so, um, you know, our briskets, are our rub is a little bit different. The texture and, and and so forth is what you would expect in a Texas style brisket. Yeah. We got our dino bone or beef rib, which I put my Asian um, twist to it with a gochujang sauce. Uh, so I, I make that I was from scratch. That you would say that. Yeah, I make that scratch from, uh, I make that sauce from scratch. Okay. And I just, it's just one day I just start. It's like science, a science lab. I just start mixing stuff together and then, then okay, you need more salt. You need more acidity. You need more umami. And so I would just like play with that. And that's then smart. that's how I develop my recipes. The chashu, the pork belly chashu is something that I'm really proud of. And it actually is kind of accidental because chashu is um, a staple in Cantonese barbecue. So it's basically that uh, barbecue pork. It's, it's, I think I want to say they're traditionally roasted Um, like a really traditional Cantonese barbecue would be like this barrel in the, in the ground and you would hang the meat. Ah. So there's direct heat from below and you would hang kind of like a pit barrel. So I think they are smoking it at a very high temperature, probably 375 or above. They don't really render down the fat and so forth. Traditionally, chashu is not like melt in your mouth you know it's more like it has a chew to mm-hmm. it yeah. and uh yeah so usually they use like the loin or the belly in some cases and i thought i wonder what would happen if i did not because i don't have a pit barrel i thought let me put it in my offset and see what happens and let me smoke it like a brisket you know low and slow form the bark and then you know uh slather it with some glaze and wrap it and let it render down so in a way, it was like accidental, but also it was because I was so curious yeah, yeah, to try ah. to like, you know, do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can get chashu from like Sam Wu, you know, or oh, yeah. one of those Chinese barbecue places and they do a great job, but you can't get my chashu there because they don't, the technique is different. It's completely it, looks so different.
1: Good. it looks so good.
2: Like one day, the photographer of New York Times emailed me and asked me to call him back and I thought it was a scam. I called him, I was like, what are you selling? I'm not interested, please lose my number. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 this is real. Like, uh, the food critic actually wants to write about your food. I'm like, what, what food critic? Like, what's their name? He's like, I can't tell you, they'll contact you. I just need to schedule a photo shoot. I'm like, okay, this sounds like a scam.
1: Yeah, it still does, yes. <laughs>
2: He's like, no, I promise you it's not a scam. Here, you can call my editor. And verify, but I cannot tell you the name of this food critic because you know they're supposed to be anonymous, right? Okay. So apparently then after when I did the interview, I found out she already had my food twice. She ordered and picked up at the parking lot. Oh really? And yeah, when I when I found out, I was like, wow, I think I might be onto something, like accidentally fall into my own niche, Mm -hmm. right? Of Asian style barbecue. It's well received by somebody who is not Chinese or Cantonese, and it seemed like a popular, a popular dish for everybody. You know, um, of all races, that particular dish I'm I'm really proud of because it's just a pure like, it's fusion food, but not gimmicky. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that, which no. is which in 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 the essence, that's what you really want to show. That's what you want to showcase. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. It's not just
1: not just you're not just doing it to do it. Yeah, that's which a lot of people might do just kind of funky stuff just to do funky stuff. But this is something you're actually experimenting and turned out to be fantastic. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there are experiments that turn out like crap, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't post about that. (laughs) No,
1: we're not. We're not going to talk about that. So those. So those your you have more proteins, right? Don't you do? I know you do.
2: Uh, Yeah, I do. I do the sausage. So Malaysian sausage, I wanted to highlight my Malaysian culture and do some sort of curry dish. And Smorgasburg is very logistically challenging. And so it's, I don't know if I could ever do some sort of curry and rice and brisket thing at Smorgasburg, but I could definitely put it in a sausage, you know, it's a perfect little vessel to hold all the flavors. And so um, that's what I do with that. We take our trimmings from the brisket. Uh, we take pork shoulder, grind it up, mix it with our rumpa. Rumpa is kind of like a masala, like a mixture of okay. all the, it's like the big curry base. That's what we call it. The rumpa. rumpa
3: and, okay. um,
2: it's made of lemongrass, shallots, galangal, ginger, garlic, cumin, coriander, just all those, uh, beautiful flavor profiles all in one and it's super spicy so a lot of people uh, don't really expect that that it, it's spicy but i think sausages need to be spicy yeah i think right?
1: yeah, yeah yeah for yeah. Uh, anyone other than like you know someone like my mom, who's like everything,
3: <laughs>
1: but it's like. But I think that there's this. That's how. how yeah, that's it. Just it cuts perfectly because you know you'll, a lot of times you'll have it with a matter oh, with something. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But so did how did you? I'm so curious. How did you learn how to make sausage? Just from, uh, because you're just you, industrious and you just figured out. <laughs> YouTube,
2: YouTube, just reading a lot online. Lot of a lot of shitty sausages. You know, that's yeah. how I learned from making a lot of shitty sausages uh asking around and then finally when jared started working with me he taught me his way so his so we're like a perfect um marriage of the two I do the flavors and he does the tech he executes yeah. now so well if you
1: work with John Lewis then you know John Lewis knows how to make sausage and they, yeah okay
2: yeah yeah
1: all right oh that's okay that's interesting that's really cool. God gosh that I am like I, I think, feel so bad that I've been stuck and can't come and see <laughs> you. No, food? well we'll be there for
2: a while. <laughs> know, and you're always welcome. Thank you. Yeah. We did do our pork ribs for a while, but you know, smorgasburg there's another vendor that does pork ribs, so I don't want to compete and cannibalize each other. So we don't like, really sell is that the pork ribs. Is
1: that guy? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. So he does, does a really does he, good does he
1: still do? does he still do alligator?
2: He does once a once a <laughs> month. He did it this past Sunday. So uh, you know, he gives it out for free. He's such yeah. a nice guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah he's and so
1: like, nice. He's like he's like really cool. And he's been in the business forever. Like for it's so like long. He's yes. a big time yes. caterer, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: he does. He does a lot of big things, uh, big gigs like that. And uh yeah, he he told me like, come get your come get some gator. And honestly, I have a fear of reptiles. And so <laughs> Like I know, there's one day when I where I did a a, a story with him in with the gator and stuff, but like yeah. I don't know, like I don't know if I can put that in my mouth just because yeah. I have a fear of reptiles. It's it's a it's, uh, a, it's I'll a weird eat, thing. I like, eat other stuff.
1: He, yeah, yeah, he keeps, but like he keeps like <laughs> he definitely has like the full gator like on his pit. Like I I remember coming on, and he was just so excited for it. I'm like it's for me too. It's like kind of a odd. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it tastes like chicken and it's delicious. And it's. Yeah.
2: He says, his is not very swampy because it's actually farm raised and not from the swamp.
1: Interesting. So yeah. But, But that makes sense that you don't do the pork ribs because of him. That's actually got smart. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I used to do the pork ribs for my pre-orders because people love ribs. And we would do a peach and whiskey flavor profile with that. Yeah, well, I'll bring it back when we have a brick and mortar.
1: What sides do you have?
2: Oh, I have my sesame slaw, which I really push on my customers because I'm a big, (laughs) I always tell them, eat your vegetables. (laughs) So, um, you know, I developed this recipe for Smorgasburg because sometimes it's really hot there. And we always have a challenge of keeping everything to temp. So the sesame slaw um, dressing has no mayo, no dairy. It's just sesame seeds, vinegar, and so forth. Um, So it's more or less shelf stable, right? Because I don't want to get anybody sick with mayo, like rotten mayo. It's acidic, heavy, but then... It's great because it cuts all the meat, all Mm -hmm. the fat in the meat. Then we have our loaded beans, which is just logistically, it makes sense because as we're trimming, we have all these trimmings on the cutting board, which is throwing our beans. Who doesn't eat barbecue with beans? Everybody does. Then another side that I've recently done is chicken rice. And it may sound kind of odd to Americans, but us Chinese, we eat rice with everything. Just like Mexicans eat tortillas with everything. <laughs> we eat rice with everything. And a lot of my followers uh, are predominantly Asian, right? And so they're, they're like me. They're kind of like ABC. You know, they would come and they would ask me like, they would say like, oh, this chashu would go great with rice. And I thought, you know, let me just try it and sell <laughs> rice. So it's basically a rice pilaf. It's um, instead of just water, we use oh, okay. chicken broth. Okay. hmm so it has a little bit of flavor, but not too much. And it just accentuates all, it just goes with the meat. Rice cheese. with
1: barbecue is awesome. Okay, okay cool. Mac and yeah, cheese. Yeah. Rice with barbecue is just so good. I
2: love it. So we, it's funny because I alternate rice and, and uh, mac and cheese at okay. Skarmisburg because they're both carbs, right? I have people who would stand in line for 15 minutes and then leave without buying anything because we don't have mac and cheese. They're like, I really wanted my barbecue with mac and cheese. And that's uh, like the deal breaker. Um, and then I have so people funny. who line up and they're like, don't you have rice this weekend? I'm like, no, sorry. It's either one or the other. Like, I can't please everybody.
1: You need to, like, you so, need to post something on like Instagram or something. Like, I know. People, I, I are, so, like people I are so silly. Them. It's just so funny. It's, like if they're listening to this or watching this, it's either going to be mac and cheese or rice. One of the two.
2: Yeah, unless I figure out how to logistics, we do all four. You know, you know, we are very limited with the logistics um, at Smorgasbord. Yeah. We're basically bringing a whole kitchen with us, and sometimes people don't understand that. If you've never been in the food service industry, you really don't understand how hard it is to keep temp, mm-hmm. uh, let alone like bring all these different varieties for your customers to choose. Yeah, and it's an so, outdoor. It's
1: an outdoor venue, and it's. It's LA, it gets hot, hot, hot for like nine months out of the year. So it's,
2: yeah. Do you have um, a dessert?
1: I know. I don't know if I've, have-
2: no, I need to have, I should have a dessert because I'm a dessert lady, but it's just logistically, I have so many ideas I could do. Brick and mortar, right? Just brick and mortar. Yes. A lot of new ideas are coming out. Like, I don't know. I think I have ADD, right, Jared? You think I have ADD, right? Yes, yes. He <laughs> thinks I, I have ADD because I have like every week I come, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do that. Oh my God, do you think this would be great? That would be great. And he's like, "Calm down."
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> good. you needs need people to rein you. I think it's important when you have, when you have all those ideas to have someone that's like that. So Jared's helpful. That's what's the time frame then for the? Brick so and our mortar? brick
2: and mortar is going. Well, we submitted our plans uh, a month ago. It's going to take some time. You know, COVID's been like, like. COVID's the reason why the health department and the cities have been lagging, short staff, or whatever the reason is. And I'm hoping I can, you know, get a permit to start construction, like, end of summer. I don't know. Right now, so let me start over with the brick and mortar. It's actually um, a group of homes in Garden Grove that has been initially they were like they were part of a housing project for the city and people who were staying in there weren't taking care of it the houses were old and a lot of termite a lot of damages you know everything was all original these houses are like one of them was like over 100 years old the the house that we are renting is 70 years old wow it was built in 1950 and (laughs) um (laughs) or born so (laughs) 70 72 years old my landlord actually purchased like 15 homes in that square block worked with the city to get it rezoned for commercial Ah. or mixed use and so she owns about four houses in one uh one section and then she owns like a couple more like spread out like little clusters in that one square mile and so my my cluster of houses that area it's called a farm block the entire development is called um cottage industries right now she is actually she's gutting the entire all the houses um redoing the foundation um reinforcing the roof and reinforcing everything structural putting in the grease trap redoing the outside so she actually took there's like four homes back to back where their backyards face each other so she took out all the um the fencing and it's going to be a common area where people can sit play this there's going to so be like smart. a sandbox there's an amphitheater kind of for like small concerts there's a community garden that i, loved, I uh, love this so much yeah. i love
3: it this is yes yeah. so cool uh
2: honestly like i didn't know where i wanted to take smoke queen and i thought you know once my restaurants reopened like maybe i may give up smoking or just call it quits just because I don't really want to open a brick and mortar just for the sake of opening a brick and mortar, you know, because I had a realtor look for a location for me and he's sending me all these commercial spots that are just boring. Like it's just at a strip mall. Like it's nothing exciting. And I'm like, you know, I I mean, there was one location that was already a a built restaurant, second generation. So I wouldn't have to spend that much money to build a kitchen and, and do all of that, but it's nothing that excited me. know that's important to
1: have something that not especially if you're doing yeah yeah
2: so when I found out about this development I got so excited and it's not like the best location like it's not in the best part of town but it's accessible with the freeways and I just love the idea of rebuilding a community from these dilapidated homes you know honestly I think I don't know if you've seen some of my videos where I post, like I I go in and check out the construction. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much easier just to bulldoze all those houses down and start from new, You know, and, and it's much cheaper that way too. But my landlord, she's very, very strict on keeping the architectural um, in, sorry, the train We're we're by the train tracks too.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I can't hear the train. I can't.
2: Oh you can't? Oh okay. No, we're dead, so yeah, my, no,
1: usually I do. <laughs> yeah.
2: So my my landlord she like she's very adamant about keeping the architectural integrity of the entire development and you know, I think that really says a lot about her as a character mm-hmm. also she's a woman uh, so she's like a female That's another powerhouse. reason, yeah, yeah. And we get each other. So, so here's the thing like she's she's a wom- she's a woman for women. You know, she's a woman that likes to empower women. And I Perfect. think I would like to think that she loves me too.
3: <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, I think we make a,
2: yeah, I know. I think we will make a really good uh, partnership there because we have the same goal in mind. And like, to be, and I always tell people, like, you know, I started Smoke Queen in the pandemic when the time, in a time where we were stripped of our community and like, I accidentally created something that brought people together, you know, and I can't do that at a strip mall. Like I want to do it in a house in, in like my backyard. So when you come to my restaurant, it's like you come into my backyard for some barbecue.
1: Are you enjoying yourself right now? Is this cause it's stressful? You have so many businesses, like how, cause you seem very happy, but it, you've got a lot in your plate.
2: It, I do have a lot in my plate and I kind of think it is um, a disorder. Like, My dad is the same way. He's retired, but he has all these projects going because he's just like he doesn't like to sit sit down and be bored. And I think I'm the same way. I think I like to stay busy. And I know, like sometimes I people ask me like, "Hey, how are you?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm so busy." But I do this to myself. You thrive off of that. He reminds me I do this to myself, and I think you're right. I do thrive off of that, and I do like I do enjoy what I do because I think. Like barbecue is a labor of love. Like my restaurants, they are uh, still kind of there's they're still suffering from the repercussions of COVID and and whatnot. Um, it is challenging, but you know it's not fun to to actually do the like uh, the day to day for tacos or burritos or sandwiches. It's fun for barbecue. Yeah, for it's not as exciting. Yeah, but yeah, but also like my my restaurants, like, it's fun for me to be around my staff, because I love my staff. Um, Some of them, they've, they've worked with me since day one, since I opened 12 years ago. Wow. So we kind of grew up together, you know, and I think I do thrive. I do thrive off of that, that relationship between my staff, my customers, and the huge difference between my restaurants and barbecue is the clientele. Like my customers are so loyal with barbecue like I remember one time I was meeting uh, customers in the parking lot like one of them bought me boba like I'd never even met this person haven't even seen her face yet and she's like okay I'm on my way hey by the way like would you like a boba? I'm like sure why not oh, that's so and, then, nice. and then I would have others who would buy drinks bring drinks for us and my team like when they come pick up their barbecue you know and so I feel like that is such an amazing connection that mm-hmm. I have with my customers that I don't with my restaurants um, because those are people who are just here for a convention um, they're here and they're gone you know yeah so, it's, a, it's a
1: unique it's a very unique world that you've become part of and it's it's I've been like documenting it for a while and I've also just been in it and it's so it's it's hard to explain to other people that ha- that aren't around it too, because they don't see yeah. like, I I'll bring beers. So like, I'll go see Zeph or something like a, a Logan. Yeah. And I'll, it's just yeah. something that you just feel like, I don't know. It's just weird. It's a, it's a different world. It's a different world.
2: Yeah. Logan's a really cool guy. He just had, his wife just had a baby. Yeah. know you know.
1: Yeah. I just, uh, I, I, I think I got them a gift card. I didn't get them because like, I was looking like they were like, he posted something like here's our, our baby registry. And then I looked and it was like almost all sold out. I'm like, ah, Oh, so i, I just I, people love them i God, mean he's like Logan he's just sister. very
2: him and ann uh they're, Anna, both they're just Anna, very yeah.
1: genuine people uh-huh Uh huh. no i and i when i talked to when i first had an interview i just i'm like this is a kindred spirit and you're very much a kindred spirit i think too like i'm a lot of people say like you can't relax like i don't even know how to relax because i i grew up in a family where you were always busy when my grandmother would come to my parents house they would give her a box of like screws and nuts and bolts and stuff. And she would sort them. Like she just wanted to do, like she was just always working, always like just doing something. Like she needed
2: just wanting to be productive, yeah, productive right? Not, exactly. just, yeah. not mm-hmm. just sit and do nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a disorder. It's like,
1: yeah, when you said disorder, I thought, <laughs> okay, a- it was like things that weren't out of order, but I guess disorder means, yeah, there's, it's an yeah. issue. There's an issue there, but I'm okay with it. I think I, you have to come to grips with it and you have to like, understand that, you know, this is who I am. And like you said, you have to find yourself and so Yeah. So what what are all the different Definitely. ways people can get hold of you? And then also do, are you shipping currently nationwide? Is that something you do?
2: So yeah, I just started that. Um, you know, I did some test shipping and it, it came out pretty good. So we ship our briskets our dinos and the Chashu frozen. Okay i'm working on my sauces i have a couple sauces bottled up and so i wanted because everybody all not everybody sorry but a lot of people message me on or dm me on instagram asking me like can i buy your stuff i'm from here i'm from there and so i felt like i needed uh i needed to come up with a process where i could get my product to them even though they don't live here in southern california so Obviously like a frozen brisket is not going to taste the same as a brisket coming out of the smoker, like right here, right now, but within that margin ever I think it's still acceptable. And at least people can get uh, a taste or mm-hmm. uh, get their hands on my food,
1: especially because it's so, a unique flavor, uh, flavor pl- profile that it, <laughs> I can't even speak. It's a unique yeah. flavor profile that people haven't had before. So,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had one customer um, message me at three o'clock on Sunday and I was at S'morg, And We close at four and he goes, oh, I'm hey, I'm from Texas. I just landed in LAX. Are you still open? Do you still have any more meat left? And I said, uh, I have a couple pieces. I have the dino. I have like maybe a couple slices of brisket. He's like, great, I'm, I'm coming. Can you like save it for me? I'm like, okay, sure. He comes like 45 minutes later and then um, he buys like the platter or whatever when he has a dino bone and then he goes my brother is like making fun of me right now because I just came from Texas and I'm having barbecue in California and I said don't don't sell us short you know like you may be surprised about California style barbecue because we're like kind of doing our own thing Um, so he he goes he takes his platter he goes eat and he comes back. he's like oh my god that dino beef rib like what do you put in your sauce? And I'm like, I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you what goes in it. I always laugh about that because I think like that's the epitome of success in Mm -hmm. this barbecue world. When somebody that comes from the place where this style originated and is excited and loved your barbecue, even though you don't really know like I've never had Texas style barbecue in Texas. So I I don't, re- I'm kind of like guessing in my mind how it would be like, right. I'm kind of emulating that yeah. style. And so for somebody from that region to come over here and say that he loved your barbecue. Like, I think that's just yeah. like, that's just um, the cherry on top of everything else. You yeah. Know? And he, he
1: came from the airport and he came back to tell you that he liked the food. Like he could yeah. have eaten it and then gone like left. And then, never said anything yeah. so he liked it enough to come back
2: and then he messaged me later like can you tell me like how do you make this how do you make that i'm like okay fine like i'm just gonna give you a little bit of hints here and there and then he asked like when are you gonna sell your sauces and so that's why it's like i i feel like i i need to start like pro- processes where i can ship my stuff out. Yeah. you know and that's, that, that, that and that'll that be all there. available
1: on your website and you can just yes. read in your website right or just
2: Yeah, it's in my website right now. I just, I only have a couple items in my inventory, not too much. Cause you know, I'm running out of a commissary and I'm only smoking once a week. So once Mm -hmm. we have our brick and mortar, we'll have like our mojo, our flow going. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, like, legitimately, would you think that won't be open? Will it be open this year or like fall? I think you think you can.
2: I'm I'm hoping end of the year, like fall, October, maybe. I don't wanna open in the summer when it's busy. I don't wanna like, overwhelm myself and our staff Mm -hmm. um i want to start slow when you open restaurants you don't want like a huge line (laughs) you know it's just really hectic i'd rather just ease into it you know
1: and will it be essentially are you in your mind are you thinking roughly the same menu but just additional items because you'll have more room
2: yes definitely i just because i have this experience in the restaurant business and in a commercial kitchen i've designed my kitchen to be fully equipped with a fryer salamander griddle oh, cool. uh, maybe even a walk so i don't know I'm, I'm still debating that because i feel like you can do so much with a walk yeah yeah so we we will have the capability of making a lot of different foods with different techniques you know so not just sliced meats off the off the smokers city mayor actually been out on that site, the the city is a hundred percent behind me on this. They hated how um the houses were. They were very like dilapidated and like just a, a sight for sore eyes. There were a lot of like transient people staying there because they were vacant for so long. There was a lot of graffiti. So you awesome. know, we're really exactly so we're really cleaning up that neighborhood. And and what's surprising is the neighbors are very excited for us me and other tenants to get in there because they're tired of seeing you know it looked shitty
3: yeah
2: basically yeah and well, it basically increased their value it increases the value notes. it also
1: gives them like food options that they didn't have before and a lot of times those areas there's like maybe one box store there's not like it's a lot of places don't have like that are impoverished in those areas like they don't have a lot of yes. food options so it's good to have uh, like and you know, some yeah. joy in life like interesting things like uh, everyone yeah. should have joy yeah. or, you know.
2: I really hope so I mean like honestly like I always think like what if it's not a success because I'm putting so much on the line I'm betting so much on myself uh, I don't have like some private investor that I can just blow his money or her money yeah. I'm 100% self-funded so, you know, I'm putting a lot on the line and yeah. I hope that, you know, it will be a success. Other people like Jared always says like, Oh, I'm going to make so much money. I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, There's it's, always risk.
1: There's not yeah. There's never, it's never guaranteed, but you have a lot of people that love you. That seems like there's a lot of people in the barbecue world that love you and that, you know, well, hopefully we can, you know, help. I'll, I'll do my best to help promote you. And I, I like this, doing this interview with you was so refreshing. And so, because I didn't know your story. I didn't know much about you. And I, I was so curious, and then now that we can finally do this, and it's your tenacity, your drive, it's infectious. And I, I, I and I, it makes sense that you're successful at your level, and that you're that you want to do more. It's just, it's, it's great. I this has been really eye opening, and I think this is nice because there's a lot of people that might not know your story, and you're going to be on TV in a week, so at least they'll be a little backstory you, I on the
2: know. show. But. I'm really, honestly, I'm really scared how they are editing or how they have edited. You know, because they can really tell a different story than of what course. really happened yeah. just on editing. Oh. You know, so you're in the I promo. Just I hope... noticed
1: you in the promo.
2: I know it's AAPI month next month, so maybe that's why. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but, but it's... I, I don't.
1: It it'll be I fun. Mean, so did... What's that? It's called Bar- Barbecue Brawl Three. Is that what it's called?
3: Yes, barbecue okay. for all three. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you okay. again, Winnie, so much. And uh thank yeah, have, have a nice rest of your day in this. Kevin, right, it was nice care. meeting
2: you. Very nice to meet take you. And I, in the
1: next couple of weeks I'll be out to
3: see you. So we'll uh Okay, meet in sounds person. good. All right, take care. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. All right, thank I- you.